Before we begin, if you like what you hear on Mile High Report Radio Podcast, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work. Ian, it's uh, it's a tough time here in Broncos country. I think that it's uh, a fascinating um, moment for most fans as we continue to, I don't know, go through the the growing pains of having a young quarterback, and the conversation has turned to. Um, just how bad Drew Locke is or isn't or, or whatever. And it's it's actually something that I think is has just, has sort of turned fans into um, this reactionary kind of and I and I get it, there's people who are gonna they're gonna look at film and they're gonna they're gonna pull up all the stats and they're gonna they're gonna bust out the eye test, which is something that you and I are a little bit higher on the eye test just because I think numbers are hard. Uh, but it has turned into a snap judgment time for Drew Locke for most fans. And it, and it's fascinating to me that it happened after the Denver Broncos lost to the Kansas City Chiefs, who are the defending Super Bowl champions. And I think you can make the argument still the best team in the NFL, even with that one loss on their record. And and it's it's one where I, it's, I don't think it's a bad conversation. I think it's something we should talk about. But I, I just am shocked at how quickly everything seems to be turning on Drew Locke after, you know, our little Buzz Lightyear sort of, you know, lit up our lives at the end of last season. And now that's all gone. The goodwill has has ended and, you know, screw them. Let's throw them on the trash heap. I think part of it, and I don't want to speak for Broncos country, but I wonder how how much of it comes from Patrick Mahomes and seeing how good Patrick Mahomes has been for the Chiefs and the fact that it is the Chiefs. And I would hope that despite some of the morons who were rooting for the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl because they think it makes the division better, that that is what Drew Locke should be. So I wonder if some of that is, you've seen Patrick Mahomes, so now that means Drew Locke is going to be that. And at least for me, because to me it's always on the eye test. I, I could I could give two craps about the stats. I could give two craps about the, the film. I don't care how many times you rewind and watch something. It's the eye test. And for me, the eye test on Sunday against the Chiefs was Drew Locke was horrible. He was not good. He was not good enough to beat anyone in the NFL, let alone the Kansas City Chiefs. There isn't a team in the NFL he could have led that offense against, and it would have been a win the way he played. So now the key is what does he do? Because one of the things that we talked about last year was he was awful against the Chiefs last year. He came back the next week against the Lions and played better. He's going to have to do that again this time around. And I think he, we both, and I think everyone in Broncos country would agree that he has the right mindset, the right mental approach, the right mental capacity. He knows he has to get better. He's not going to let this deter him. And it is, it's going to be up and down. But for me, the biggest thing was just how bad he looked. 
that I mean that that that's what startled me a little bit was just how bad he was because it really wasn't anything the Chiefs did. It's more of just the moment seemed too big for him. The game seemed too big for him. And that's what startled me about Drew Locke. I'm not jumping off the Drew train. I'm not saying that he's a bust. I'm not saying that they need to to move on to Brett Rippon. It's not Brett Rippon. It's, it's about how, okay, we, we saw it on Sunday. Now what does he do? Yeah, it's a fair, it's a fair way to look at it. And I, I will tell you that when I look at Drew Locke and I look at the Denver Broncos, and, and this is something that we, we talked about it after the game, and I, I, I keep going back to it, and, and it's this gap, right? And, and it's a gap that we all wanted to be a lot closer. And the more I think about it and the, the more I just think about where these two teams are, if you, if you set aside the fact that the Denver Broncos defense is once again an, uh, a world-class defense, right? It is a, it is a playoff-caliber defense. If you set that aside, the rest of the team is nowhere near that. The rest of the team is so far away from being a playoff caliber, uh, you know, part of the team, right? There's the, the offense is not even close. And the special teams, we don't even think they're special. So, you know, there are pieces in place. I don't think there's any doubt about that. There is talent on this team. And I think Drew Locke is talented. You, br- you brought up this, this notion of, Uh, Drew Locke and his reaction. So knowing that the gap between the Broncos and the Chiefs is, you know, light years. It is it is three planets away, uh, you know, dancing on Saturn's rings, right? It's it's so far away at this point. You almost, at least in in my mind, and maybe I'm too forgiving. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe I'm I'm just I'm in a forgiving mood. Thanksgiving's around the corner, and I'm I'm feeling like you know, as the holiday season approaches and things are crazy in the world, I just want to say, it's okay, buddy. And I'm going to put my arm around Drew Locke and tell him it's going to be fine. Maybe that's where I'm at, you know, as, as I sort of think about this, but I'm not, I'm not ready to just say he's horrible and it's time to move on. And I have seen that a little bit. I have seen that from people on Twitter and obviously you go on social media and you're going to get some of those extreme reactions. But I do think that using a game against the Kansas City Chiefs as a measuring stick for a second-year quarterback who is a project quarterback. Let's let's not fool ourselves. You don't draft a guy. I know the second round is is still pretty high. It's the second round of the of the draft, right? I get that. But he's still a project quarterback. You don't necessarily draft a guy in the second round and expect him to go out and be Russell Wilson, who was a third-round draft pick. like that's not, that's not an expectation. That wasn't the expectation for Russell Wilson. In fact, most people forget that he wasn't supposed to be the starter. The, the starter was supposed to be Matt, Mo- Matt Moore, who more or less disappeared after Russell Wilson took over that job during, during training camp and during preseason and has never looked back. That was not the expectation by any means. Nobody expected that. And so to expect Drew Locke, to step in at this point, missing almost an entire season his rookie year, and then missing two two is it two games, three games? I don't even know. Like everything just runs together now because of an injury in his second year, and expect him to be ready to go in a game of that magnitude with snow on the ground and cold and playing his his childhood favorite team. Right? Let's not forget he loves the Chiefs. He loved the Chiefs growing up. You know that's not a knock on him. I'm gonna let that go. But there is a, there is a mental gap there, not physical. Mental. There is a mental gap, and you saw it. He made bad choices. He didn't look confident. Although that first touchdown drive, he looked like a guy who could do it. 
That's the, that's the drive that made me go, okay, that's what I want to see. That's what they need to do. That's the type of player he can be. The rest of the game, it was bad. I mean, let's, 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 not, let's not kid ourselves. It was bad. He was bad. The offense was bad. There was nothing about the offense or the special teams in that game that was good, except for maybe Garrett Bulls. Philip Lindsay. Philip Lindsay, who, who who is, I'm sorry, I'm just going to say it, and then people are going to yell at me, and it's fine. He's, he's starting to seem a little injury prone. I, I'm a little nervous about that. I love the guy, and I, I, I want him to be successful, but once again, uh, another little knock on him. And so, you know, it, it, it's it's tough. But you, but you have to remember that this is a project. This offense is a project. And because it's a project, I'm not willing to just – jump ship and I know you're not either and so I totally understand that but it is one of those things where I I, I, I can see I can see the promised land but I don't know if we're ever really going to get there because of so many other factors on this team there are so many other things with the Denver Broncos that are just bad and so I, I don't know I, I, I'm lost you know like I I want to just be positive about it and excited about it. And it doesn't, it doesn't work sometimes because of the frustration that goes with just, just where we live. I I will say that the offensive line was fine on Sunday. Yeah. Garrett Bowles played really well, actually. The, the, I think the whole line was fine. The only problem was Drew Locke. He had no pocket awareness. He had no pocket presence. He had, he had happy feet. He couldn't make decisions. He was locking on his first receiver. He wasn't going through his reads at all, going through his progressions. He was overthrowing everybody. I I mean, this this is a big game. And as I said in my Play Colorado preview uh, for the Broncos and Chargers, who the Broncos have up next, this is a fork in the road for the Broncos because people will say that they've lost to some of the best teams in the National Football League. They've lost to the Titans, Steelers, Buccaneers, and now the Chiefs. Okay, you're playing a two and four team that's playing a rookie quarterback, and they're a three point underdog at home. I think that shows you what the sports books think of Drew Locke and this offense. This is this is a big game. This is this is a fork in the road for Drew Locke and the Broncos, and I'm curious which fork they take. Ah, yes, the fork in the road joke. I love it. Which fork are you going to take? I hope they take the fork that gives them the opportunity to win the game. I don't think you're wrong. In fact, I think that when you look at what is going to happen against the Chargers, you have to you have to realize that Drew Locke is going to be measured against Justin Herbert. There's no doubt that that's what's going to happen. You brought up the rookie quarterback, and he's played well, and so he's go, he's going to be they're going to be measured against each other, and that's that's just natural, right? That's the natural thing to do. And he's also going to be measured against the other quarterbacks in the AFC West too. So right. Derek Carr and Patrick Mahomes. Right. And that's just, you're in the AFC West where apparently there are good quarterbacks and one bad quarterback, but is he a bad quarterback? I'm not ready to go there. I do think that. I think time will game, tell. Right. I do think this is a game where when you get to, uh, you know, the opportunity to bounce back, can you bounce back? If, if they walk out of this game at, at two and five and, and he played really, really poorly, as as Drew Locke might, because you know, according to what everybody's told me, he's terrible. Uh, he's he's not worth the time, and then put in Brett Rippon. Uh, then, then okay, panic mode, right? Go ahead and hit the button. Maybe next week's the week you can hit the button. Your your hand is hovering over the button. 
if they walk out a loser, but they drop 35 points and the defense doesn't show up, are we going to blame Drew Locke? I guess, I guess, I guess what my point is, is this game is a, is a fork in the road, as you said, and I hope that they take it, but I hope that the fork that they take is to examine it from beyond the point of wins and losses. And I know that this is football and you play to win the game and I I get it. Yes. I did the Herm Edwards thing in the last one. I'm going to do another Herm Edwards little thing here and say, you do, you play to win the game, but I don't think the Denver Broncos are playing to win the game. That's not where this franchise is. This franchise is playing to see what their identity is. And they've been looking for an identity ever since they won the Super Bowl in 2015. And they haven't been able to find it. I want Drew Locke to be the identity. I want him to, I want his attitude. I want his presence on the field. I want Philip Lindsay. I want, I want Garrett Bowles, who I have decided is, is an awesome player all of a sudden. I, I'm, I'm like, why do I keep saying this? I'm so confused. I want that to be the identity of the offense. I want, I want Drew Locke and Noah Fant and Albert Akwegbunam and, and Cortland Sutton and Philip. I want those guys to be the guys. Does that mean they have to win every game this year? No, I don't think so. But I do think it means, as you have said, they have to look competent. If they look incompetent against the Chargers, I think you have to start looking at at wholesale changes, dropping everybody like they're on fire. I mean, trades. I mean, cuts. I mean, coaches. I'm talking everything. If they can't beat the Chargers, I might even be, depending on how they look, I might even be at the point where I'm like, all right, well, Vic, that was fun. And I really like you, but this doesn't seem to be working out. I I don't want to be there. I hope they just fire Tom McMahon. That would appease me. (laughs) Who still hasn't been fired. Still, still working for the Denver Broncos. Still has a job in the NFL. Still being terrible at what he does. You want to talk about somebody who's bad at what they do. Let's stop talking about Drew Locke for a second. Let's talk about Tom McMahon and how bad he is at what he does. Poor Brandon McManus, one of the best kickers in the NFL, has to deal with Tom McMahon being a special teams coach. I, I feel I feel for him. No wonder he drinks while he kicks. He doesn't well, I, really. I think, I think that's one of the reasons that going forward, there's going to be this glaring issue because the teams are going to be so horrible. They're not reliable. So you're already behind the eight ball because one of your three phases is so bad and unreliable that you it's going to cost you a game. I mean, Ryan Edwards had a great tweet where he said the average starting field position for the Chiefs last Sunday was their own 43-yard line. The Broncos' starting field position was their own 23. That's not exactly a recipe to beat Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, and that would be why they won despite Patrick Mahomes throwing for 200 yards and going 0 for 8 on third down. But you're already behind the eight ball because your special teams is so bad. But apparently it's not enough to fire him because he's got something over somebody at this organization because I do not get it. I, I'm I not going to go off on another rant again because I no. did it on the postgame podcast. You, you did, and it was good. It this was, is it was, ridiculous. It was an excellent rant. The fact that he still has a job, that he is still employed – by the team once owned by Pat Bolin, by John Elway, who got rid of a freaking pool table because he lost to Bubby Brister. Tom McMahon is still employed by this organization. I do not get it. 
So I'm, I'm going to tell you that you answered your own question. And you said the franchise that used to be owned by Pat Bowen. And well, I don't want to, I don't want to get into the ownership discussion because there's so much there that it gets, it gets convoluted. It causes people to get upset. I, I don't, I don't really, but the truth is, and this is, sorry, this is the truth. The truth is this is a rudderless ship. This is a rudderless ship with no captain. And it's a losing organization it's, now. It's a, and it is now a losing this organization. Five years of an aptitude that never happened in the tenure of Pat Bowen. And it's exactly. a stain on him mm-hmm. because Joe Ellis apparently worked for him. Apparently. You know, and so. Based the way he runs this organization, you wouldn't think so. No. I, and so I just, I just, I, I go back to the idea here that we are as fans hoping for something to change with the product on the field. And I think that the understanding has to be maybe, maybe this is where we are at because of the product off the field, because of who is making decisions about what this franchise is supposed to be. Now I, I I understand that you can say it doesn't matter what the owners do because the owners own and the players play. I get that. And there is definitely that aspect of it. But when an owner holds everyone accountable to the job that they do, then they're going to do a better job, hopefully. And Pat Bolin had a certain standard that had to be met or you were asked to leave. That's just the way that it was. And unfortunately, Pat Bolin isn't there to ask people to leave. And the people who are in charge right now are happy to collect a paycheck, a large paycheck, and not really do anything about it. So... As we sit here, and I, and again, I don't think we should go too far into the ownership situation, but as we sit here, my my feeling on it is nothing that happens on the field is going to get fixed until the ownership situation is taken care of, until somebody steps in and buys this franchise. Peyton, are you listening? I would love it. Wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't you love it? Wouldn't you love it? If Peyton Manning, who has all the money in the world, apparently, and still lives in Denver and still has close ties to the franchise, if he stepped in and bought a controlling interest in the team, don't you think he would be competitive enough? I, I, I Maybe I'm now begging. I'm begging Peyton Manning to buy the Denver Broncos. I, I don't think that John Elway would like that, but I think the rest of us would. I am begging Peyton Manning to buy, get a group together. He's got buddies. He's got that nationwide money. Him and what's his name, Brad Paisley, right? They could get together and put their commercial money together and buy the Broncos. Be, you know, be fun. They could call it Nationwide Stadium. Why not? Is there already a Nationwide Stadium? I don't. Probably, right? Nationwide Field at Mile High. Come on, dude. I'm I'm solving all the world's problems right here. In the meantime, <laughs> the Broncos just need to look competent on Sunday against the Chargers. Oh, I hope that's going to be difficult with Mike Purcell out too, right? Mike Purcell is yeah. out. Just a little quick With news a list there. With a Frank injury. Yeah, I'll throw that out there just to make sure we cover it. That's a that's a bummer for him. I was I was happy that he got the contract he got. I felt good for him, and uh, that just that just sucks. That one sucks. That's too bad for him, and hopefully he can recover from next. That's a tough one to recover from. And hopefully Philip Lindsay is able to get back on the field because he is the heart and soul of that offense. When he's on the field, they're better, and because he doesn't fumble. Well, he he knows how to toss a football. I mean, he doesn't. He doesn't Manny Ramirez a flea flicker. I mean, what the? Can we can we please stop with the trick plays? Right, we were yes. we were all upset with Scangarello for the stupid tight end pass thing last year, and now we've got Pat Shermer doing flea flickers. And I mean, get, 
just and tight end passes to Jake Butt. Just throw, just shovel passes on the on the goal line. I don't to Jake Butt. Just run an and offense. now a flicker. Just run an offense. You clearly don't have a quarterback, and this is where I will knock Drew Locke. You clearly don't have a quarterback that can that can process all these trick plays and stuff. So just run a normal vanilla basic offense, please, please, please. Because because and I'm not and look. not. If you follow Jeff Legwald on Twitter, oh, yeah. it is clear his bugaboo is Pat Shermer running three wide receiver sets. Like he just does not understand why Pat Shermer is continually doing this. Run two tight ends or three tight ends. Go that route because that's when this offense has success. It's you know what it is. It's it's numbers, right? Legwald's using numbers there, and we don't use numbers, right? Because we don't understand them. It's like speaking a different language to us sometimes. But the numbers actually indicate that that's what makes the Broncos offense tick and makes them successful. So the, the continuation of not doing that, it, it just, it, it just blows me away. It blows me away. Stubborn. Yeah. Stubborn, stubborn coaches. All right. Let's, let's actually talk about the game against the Los Angeles chargers because we do, we do have to preview it a little bit. That's kind of why we're here. Uh, and I guess, should we just jump right into the keys to the game? I mean, sure. Go for it. You got a key to the game. To me, it's all offense. It's all offense. Yeah, run the football, move the football, don't turn it over, have competent quarterback play. I, I mean, it, it's all offensively. I, at this point, you know the defense is going to show up. And what, what's really disappointing is that effort by the defense against the Chiefs. They really did hold Patrick Mahomes in that offense in check. But the fact that those other two aspects of the game just completely pooped themselves to steal the line that I used on Sunday, I, I, I mean, it just it gets lost, and it shouldn't because the defense played really, really well. So you know they're going to be there. He's going to design a defense that's going to keep Justin Herbert off balance. You're, they're going to switch up looks. They're going to pressure him. Malik Reed has played incredibly well filling in for Vaughn Miller. Bradley Chubb has played incredibly well. So the defense is going to be there. The offense just needs to do its part because you know the teams aren't. So don't even think about that. So the offense just needs to it needs to move the football. It needs to score points. It needs to run the football. It needs to not run three wide receiver sets. And it needs to get competent quarterback play. So there's like eight keys to the game, but it's all narrowed down to one. The offense. Let's see. So let me go through my Rolodex of things that are still available to me. And uh, <laughs> there's not much there, but I'll, you know what? I'm going to, I'm actually just going to say it has to do with the defense Win the turnover battle. You know, you talked about it. You, you, you touched on it and we talked about it last week as a key to the game. We talked about it the week before as a key to the game. We talked about it a week before that as a key to the game. And so I'm sure you could just call this the win the turnover battle segment of our show, which is fine. Uh, you know, we don't have a lot of segments, but this one is the win the turnover battle segment. They have to. They have to force some turnovers. They have to do something to steal some possessions. And like you said, the defense is going to show up. The defense isn't the issue. But they do They do have to show up because if they, if they don't, if the defense takes a, takes the game off, if they, if they you know, falter a little bit, I, I mean, are we, are we banking on the offense, pulling them out of the pit of despair? I'm not. I mean, not at this point. I'm not jumping shit. Ooh, the pit of despair is that a Princess Bride reference? It was a, it was a little bit of a, a Princess Bride reference? Yeah, you know. 
you know, because, you know, this with this football team, we go through all of this horribleness because of Twoo Love, you know. This is why we're here. So, you know, just saying. The offense is mostly dead. <laughs> the offense is mostly Not dead. Not completely dead. It's mostly dead. And, and you know, so yeah, when the... Win, win the turnover battle. Did you feel the exhalation of just like, uh, the, that was a pit of despair exhalation right there. Um, I'm not even going to let you do players to watch first. I'm going to take it. I'm going to go offense. I'm saying Drew Locke's your player to watch. Boom. I got it. Drew Locke's mine. Cause I mean, is there, is there really anybody else on offense that matters? I, I mean, obviously we love Philip Lindsay. We are enjoying Tim Patrick. No fan. Albert. Oh, I, you can run through the list. That's fine. It's great. Drew Locke is the only only thing you really need to pay attention to when it comes to the offense. There, I see I did it to you. I took all the options. Yeah, you did. You took it. <laughs> um, defensively, I'll go with A.J. Boye because That's we need one. to have someone step into the, the role of having that adversarial uh, rivalry with Keenan Allen now that Chris Harris is in L.A. and he's not going to play on Sunday, which is kind of a disappointment. I would have liked to have seen a Broncos receiver burn him like Tyreek Hill has done the last couple of years. But I, I will say that uh, A.J. Boye, because I want him to kind of have that step in and have that adversarial rivalry with Keenan Allen. Yeah, I like that. That's a really good one. I'm actually going to go with the edge rushers, Malik Reed and Bradley Chubb, um, and and really the whole defensive line in, in particular. But those two guys, because I think that the way to get to – this offense is to get to Justin Herbert and to rattle him. He's a young rookie quarterback. Uh, and if you can, if you can bust him off the edge a couple of times, that would be, that would be really good. Now the concern with Herbert, and I think that this is something that's underrated about him. He's actually a really mobile quarterback. He's, he's a big kid. He's got a, he's got a good arm. I, I actually like him as a quarterback. I, he's, he's going to be a problem. And so, You've got to contain him. Not necessarily as big a problem as a Patrick Mahomes or as big a problem as as some of you know Lamar Jackson or some of these other guys, Kyler Murray and whatnot. But he's mobile. He's big. He's strong. He he's he's got the ability to to change a play with his legs. So you got to get to him. You got to hit him. You got to rattle him. You got to make sure he knows that the defense is here to play. And and I think that 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 comes from Bradley Chubb and Malik Reed getting home and actually disrupting what he wants to do when it comes to the Broncos and and what they're doing on defense. So that's, that's really what I think has to happen there. And I'll add that it'll help to get interior pressure because it, it, it's an eight, it's the age old adage of if you want to disrupt a quarterback, you also need to get the interior pass rush because nothing disrupts a quarterback more than interior pressure right in his face. That's the case for Tom Brady. That's the case for Justin Herbert. So Shelby Harris, I who has also played incredibly well, and I actually love the emotion that he showed on Sunday when he shoved Vic Fangio. I, I, I love that emotion. I think the Broncos need more of that. They need vocal leaders who will yell at Drew Locke and say, get your, get your crap together and play better. You need to step up. So uh, Shelby Harris will be, will be big, I think, in terms of that interior pass rush to add to Bradley Chubb and Malik Reed. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. And and actually I do want to I want to mention Shelby Harris a little bit. He wasn't wrong. If you look at the video of what was going on with that offensive line and it was happening all game against Kansas City. There were guys moving the entire game. And Shelby Harris I think just got to the point where it was like, are we are we watching the same football game? 
are are we going to call penalties or do does Kansas City just get to get 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 away with everything as I stumble through that because that's what Shelby Harris was upset about when he got that personal foul when he got the unsportsmanlike conduct call and I understood Vic Fangio being like hey we're not a hundred percent out of this game you could have you could have not done that but I also understand Shelby Harris's frustration they as a defense played really well and I think that that was the that was at least something that we needed to see that they cared. They still care about what's going on on the field. That was that was a really big moment because it shows that the defense still cares and still wants to win, and they just need everybody else to start pulling their own weight. All right, let's make some predictions. I've got a prediction. I'm, I'm wondering if you've got one. I, I'm I'm curious to see where this goes. I I think it's going to be a close game. I don't think it's going to be lopsided either way. I I think it's it's going to come down to which quarterback plays better. As as cliche as that is, it feels like this whole podcast has been some sort We're of a cliche. At, We're good at that. That's all right. I I want to I want to say Drew Locke steps up because that's what he's done in the past when he's been in these situations. So I think the Broncos come out on top twenty four twenty one. Ooh, we we're pretty close there. All right, I. Uh... I don't disagree with you. I think that what we've seen from Drew Locke in the past and and, uh, what we have seen from this Broncos team is that they are able to compete, and he does rebound, right? He bounces back from tough games uh, in Drew Locke, and so uh, I actually have them winning as well. I've got the the Broncos beating them 27-23, so 27-23, which means I think the Broncos score three touchdowns. There's your bold prediction. That's a that's a I think that's a pretty bold prediction. Three touchdowns for the Denver Broncos and two field goals. How about that? Yeah, I'm feeling good about it. All right, let's <laughs> let's take a little break. When we come back, we'll do our whip around the league and we'll talk about the AFC West and all that good stuff. All right, we're back and uh, we're gonna do our uh, look at the AFC West. We have already previewed one game. Broncos and Chargers play each other, so that takes care of that. Uh, and then the Chiefs get to play the Jets, which, I mean, the Broncos beat the Jets, so I have a feeling. And I'm, I feel like I'm going to go out on a limb here, Ian, and say that the Chiefs can beat the Jets. The key is, will the Chiefs cover? Because the line right now is 19 and a half. Yes, the Chiefs will cover. 19 and a half. I think they cover. I, I, I mean. Would you put money on it? Sure. That's the key. I would put a dollar twenty-five. Like literally one dollar and twenty five cents. So I'm not a gambler. I think I put, uh, I, I made a small bet this weekend uh, on the Broncos game. I bet two dollars on Albert O to score a touchdown. He didn't, uh, but that would have won me. I think it was thirty bucks or something like that. I have to look at it again. I don't remember. And I thought, yeah, I'd, I'd throw, I'd throw a couple bucks on that. See what happens. I was feeling good about Albert O going into that game. But apparently I was wrong about that. So whatever. Um, well, Fangio agreed with you because he, he actually said that he played well and he has played well. I, I think he has. I'm, I'm actually, I'm really high on Albert O. And again, I go back to this and I, I know we already talked about it. Albert O, Noah Fant, same field, please. Yes, please do that. Pat Shermer. <laughs> more of that, please. <laughs> please, sir. May I have some more? Um, one interesting, one a- interesting aspect of that Chiefs Jets game is Le'Veon Bell. Oh yeah, that's true. Who was with the Jets and is now with the Chiefs, which is one of the reasons I think he went to the Chiefs was so that he could play the Jets. He may cover that line by himself. You know, I was curious I, I wonder how much 
uh, waving he will do from the sideline or as he's running by their sideline on his way to a, to a touchdown just because of how happy he is to not be on that terrible, terrible team that even Brett Rippon could beat. Uh, I mean, and no offense, Brett, but you're just not a NFL caliber quarterback, but you, you beat the jets who aren't an NFL caliber team. So there's that. Uh, yeah, he's, he's excited to not be there for sure. That's, that's maybe the nicest way to say that. Uh, other game, AFC West Raiders play the Browns Raiders at Browns. Uh, that feels like an old school matchup, right? You kind of get like an old school vibe. I know they met, uh, in the AFC championship game once. And, um, there was a, that fancy play where the, you know, I don't remember who caught the the touchdown pass, but you know, all those good things. So I hope the Browns win go Browns. I hate the Raiders, man. Ugh. Yeah. Still hate the Raiders. I, I think one thing that will help Cleveland is their defense. I think Cleveland's defense is underrated. So if they're able to do that offensively, Baker Mayfield is now going to be without Odell Beckham yeah, Jr. That's a big loss. That's a big so loss. I, I, I think the Browns pull it out, but I, I think it'll be close, uh, especially since Las Vegas was able to go in and beat the Chiefs in Kansas City. So I, I – I think this game has the potential to be to be really good and really close. So um, hopefully the Browns and Baker Mayfield are able to come out on top. Yeah, you know that that Raider win against the Chiefs is is such an aberration, right? It's so it it, it almost it sits out there like, look, this happened, but did it re- like I almost feel like it didn't really happen, and so I don't really I I can't you know it's that's that that's how I feel about that loss for the Chiefs. I look at that loss and I go, well, that didn't really happen. I mean, I know it's on the, it's it's in the record books and whatnot, but it, there's no way it really happened. So I almost don't even count it. But the truth is, they beat the Chiefs, so they are a team that uh, is to be you know not to be trifled with, I suppose. All right, what's going on in the rest of the league? Anything that stands out that you are excited about watching? I think the key game of the weekend is going to be what I think has the potential to be the AFC championship game, a potential AFC championship game, maybe the Steelers and the Ravens. Yeah. And I told you my bold prediction, my bold prediction for the week is the Steelers are going to remain undefeated. I I think what, what Mike Tomlin is doing in Pittsburgh. And if you remember what he did at the end of last year, they were in playoff contention without Ben Roethlisberger. And now that Big Ben is back, the Steelers are the the lone remaining undefeated team and I think that stays the way stays that way on Sunday after they beat the Ravens. Wow. That's a you know what? That's huge. I I am actually going to go the other way on that one if I'm predicting games, which uh, I keep forgetting to do on tally site. I'll try and do that this week. Um I would pick the Ravens here. And the, and the reason I picked the Ravens is just because I, I think that it's in Baltimore means a lot. Uh, that, that to me is, is sort of what tips the scales a little bit. These two teams are very good. I really like Lamar Jackson, but, but you're not wrong. What Mike Tomlin is doing in Pittsburgh is, is an incredible job. And it, it really does go to show it go, or it shows us what a good coach can do. If nothing else, a good coach sort of, holds a, a franchise together and can make that franchise better just by being who they are. I, I mean, you don't need to look much further than the new England Patriots. I, I know they had Tom Brady for years and I know that, uh, you know, 20 years of, of success is probably also coupled with 20 years of cheating, but you've got to have somebody to implement all that. And, and Bill Belichick did that. I think Mike Tomlin is, is 
inching his way towards being considered one of the greatest coaches in the NFL uh, in NFL history because of what he's done with that Steelers franchise. And the Steelers are a franchise that they don't move away from from coaches. They find a guy that works and they stick with him for forever and ever. So he's going to be around for a long 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 t- well probably for as long as he wants to be around. That's that's my guess. Um this is what's incredible. Since the 70s, the Steelers have had three coaches. Three. Three. Chuck Knoll, Bill Cowher, Mike Tomlin. The, the 70s were like 50 years ago. Like just think about that for a second. I turned 40 this year. I didn't experience the 70s at all. Missed them completely. The 70s were a long time ago, and they've had three coaches. Trace. Uno dos Trace. That's crazy. The Broncos have had four coaches since 2010. And, and how many quarterbacks? I didn't bring my carousel, but how many quarterbacks? We just we should avoid that conversation. It just it just hurts. It's a painful conversation. All right, uh, let's let's look at some other games here. There are some there's some good games this weekend actually. As uh, a bit of a, a shocker there because things have been a little bit ho hum. Uh, 49ers Seahawks jumps out at me. Yes, I, I mean anytime you can watch Russell Wilson go to work. Uh, do that and then try not to be too frustrated at the fact that John Elway passed on him to draft Brock Osweiler. <laughs> just ignore all that and just, what's just interesting, marvel at his greatness. What's interesting is the Rams and the Dolphins on Sunday because the Dolphins have had some Fitz magic over the course of the last couple of weeks. And they've made the decision to play Tua Tagovailoa. So this game on Sunday against the Rams is going to be his first game. While Ryan Fitzpatrick has won games that no one thought the Dolphins would, were going to win. So that's, I think, what's interesting. Because how is Tua going to look in his debut against a very good defense and a, a team that seems to be rebounding from an off year last year with Sean McVay and and Jared Goff. Yeah, I, I almost feel like this is a misstep. And and Brian Flores is, has done a really good job in, in Miami. I think that that's somebody who, um, you know, people didn't expect them to be as good as they are. And part of that is, I think, because of Brian Flores and what he's done as the head coach down there. This is a, this is a weird time to, to make the switch. Ryan Fitzpatrick's been successful as your starting quarterback. And I honestly think, and and this is more conspiracy theory than anything else, but I think that his success has actually become a bit of a problem for the Dolphins because if he's too successful, how do you move on? You know, and they they spent a pretty high draft pick on Tua Tagovailoa, and if Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to continue with Fitz Magic and continue to be good and be good enough to be the starter, when do you move on? At what point do you say okay? It's time for Tua. You know, it's Tua time. If he keeps being good, it, it never comes. And so I think they decided we're not going to wait until it's time for Tua. We're just going to make it Tua time right now. Is this the game you would have chosen for that? Not not me personally. I wouldn't. I would have waited until, until they played the Broncos. Because at least then you know you're going to have good field position. That, that would have been my choice. You know you're always going to have good field position against the Broncos, so you're never going to be backed up against the end zone. That's good for a young quarterback. He's the guy I would start my rookie quarterback against, or that's the team I would start my rookie quarterback against. Not not 
not the the Rams who have Hecker who punts the uh, the ball like a watermelon. Did you see that in the the Monday night game against the Bears? The way he was punting the football, they, they called it the watermelon punt, and it would like I mean it was he was amazing. He was he was the player of the game. You got to be a really good punter to be the player of the game. I think the reason Flores went with this as the game to make the switch is because they had their buy. That it allows him to to get all the reps to go into the weekend not playing, knowing that he's the starter, and then they come back for this week of practice against against the Rams. And you didn't mention the best defensive player in football and Aaron Donald. I mean, I I wouldn't want that to be the first time I step on the field as a quarterback dealing with that beast. But I think that's I think that's the the part of the decision making process for Flores is that it was his bye week. Yeah, I can see that. And and I definitely understand it. You're right. Aaron Donald should have mentioned him, but uh, I mean you know what you know what the the question that I have and we've gone off onto a very strange tangent here, but I'm going to ask it anyway. If you're Ryan Fitzpatrick, don't you ask for your release at this point? You've proven, I think, as as a quarterback that you can be successful. There are teams I'm looking at this schedule. There are teams that would love to have Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think the Bears might like to have Ryan Fitzpatrick right now. What I mean, what about the Cowboys? As you say, the I mean, Cowboys might jump the on Cowboys Ryan Fitzpatrick. Not offered, how have the Cowboys not offered a second-round pick to the Dolphins for Fitzmagic? Exactly. If, if anyone has seen that crap show the last couple of weeks, <laughs> it's been I mean, rough. it's fitting. It's fitting because Jerry Jones is one of the giant D-bags in the, in the NFL, so it's not like I'm complaining about it, but – Oh my God! Seriously though, I I mean I I do I look at Ryan Fitzpatrick and I think he's been successful and he deserves a shot and he I mean he proved that he can be a good starting quarterback in the NFL so I I mean I, if I were him I'd ask for my release trade me or release me but get me somewhere where I can play because I deserve to be playing and, and you know we'll see what happens with that and then I also think I'm interested in the Lions game just because I like to watch Matthew Stafford. Uh, Matthew Stafford run, um, you know, comeback games, right? Comeback wins are fun, and Matthew Stafford's good at that. Matthew Stafford might be the most underrated quarterback in the NFL. That's that's what I'm saying right there. What will be interesting to put a bow on it is what fork Gulak and the Broncos take on Sunday. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos!